Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 57 of the Chamberlain and Chance podcast. My name is Chamberlain. I write InfiniteBacklog.com. Joining me this evening is Chance of the Games. It's Chance.blogspot.com. Chance, how are you doing this evening? I'm on top of the world. Well, that's a lie, but we'll take it. <laughs> we will take it. There is no Alex today. He has a thing, and we he all has, know what that means. He has better things to do. <laughs> we, we suspect he's on a date, but we don't know for sure. We will grill him mercilessly next week, should he deign, us, deign to come back to us after we do this to him now. Best wishes, Alex. Hope you have a good time, regardless he's of gonna, what it is. He's going to do great. Kisses sweeter than wine. Uh, no matter what, it'll be more more entertaining than hanging out with us, right? It's well, gotta oh, be. No, no, I think no. I think that selling is pretty short. I think we're That's, well, I think we're pretty charming, cool guys. Uh, At I, least charming. Char, I'll give you charming. And I definitely have a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun we stumbled into this because as do I. I am the most plain-looking human being in the entire world. People see me and forget who I am a minute later, but really? once they hear me, it's different. I don't want to say I have a good voice, but I have a distinct you, voice. I, I, I think I would say it's good. So I, I would say you have a good voice. The majority of my work happens over the phone. Oh. So people know me by my voice and see me, and like, and you are? And I'm like, oh, I am so-and-so. And they, oh, oh, I know who you are now. So that's. I've done surveys for two different companies. One was a private company doing market research. The other one was actually uh, Statistics Canada, like mm. the, the government agency that does surveys. And I remember when I was getting interviewed for Statistics Canada, after having worked at the marketplace, they said, what would you do or what do you do to uh, get people to engage with you on the phone and, uh, and you know, do what you want on the phone? And I said, well, this is going to sound stupid. And they said, go ahead. I go, <laughs> uh, it only works on one gender. But if a woman answers, I just lower my voice about an octave and I continue from here. And everything that's said is just a little bit deeper than my natural voice. But because it's not too much deeper, um, it's quite comfortable and I can maintain it through the whole thing. And by speaking like this, a woman will stay on the phone. <laughs> it's, all, it's like maybe that's totally sexist, but it worked, man. It, it works so well. Like it you just works. You got to put on a little Barry White. Yeah. See, I, I end up talking to people, and in, in my line of work, the majority of my customers are, are middle to late middle-aged women, because I deal with a lot of payroll people. Okay. And HR and payroll people are women, for the most part. That's just mm -hmm. who has those jobs. That's true. So, my place. Uh, when they talk to me, it's usually in a moment of crisis, because the uh -huh. software I support isn't working, or someone didn't <laughs> get paid right. I support time and attendance software, so like HR stuff. Mm -hmm. Not very exciting, but a very niche market. There aren't many of us. Um, so I have found that no matter how badly the house is on fire, no matter how much shit is fucked up, I need to maintain a very calm, reassuring tone and say, listen, we will work through this. We will get this taken care of. Your people will be paid. Now, please, once again, tell me what the problem is. <laughs> and, and if I can maintain that kind of like, not monotone, but very calm, boring mm -hmm. voice almost. Mm -hmm. It calms it everybody calms down. It calms yeah. everybody down. And then I stop getting yelled at by 60-year-old women on the verge of retirement. I hate to get yelled at thing. Like, remember that Simpsons joke where there's a bunch of people in a call center? And <laughs> one of the guys goes, hello, hello. And he turns to his colleagues and he goes, she hung up on me. And they're all like, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And working, you know, working in one of those places... I, I would have nightmares, well, not nightmares, but I would lose sleep having arguments with these people in my head because it affected me so strongly. 
Like, yeah. There, there is a level of de- detachment because I've been doing this now for probably six or seven years, Ooh. and at first it used to bug me, but now it's like I realize they aren't mad at me. I am just the person who's on the phone. They're yeah. mad at the situation, but you know, sometimes they are mad at me because I screwed something up, and then you just gotta own it. You gotta take it. I did it. I, uh, I was, uh, I became a supervisor for a while, and there was. Uh, one of the younger women in the office, and she was a troubled young woman, mm. but, you know, didn't deserve any kind of abuse. And I could tell from where I was sitting that whatever call she was on was taking a bit of a toll on her. Mm. So I just kind of came around to her station just to see if she needed any help, anything I could do. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she saw me, she handed me the headset and said, I can't, I just can't, I just can't. And she turned up and she walked away. Okay. And I sat down, and this woman sounded about middle age, sounded quite intelligent, uh, began telling me that I was a horror for doing this job, repeating that word over and over again, just a horror of the government. Wow. Again and again and again. And I said, um, I, I wasn't here for your entire conversation with Christy, we'll call her. Uh, it was not her name. Mm. Um, but I definitely don't deserve to be spoken like that. And she definitely does not deserve to be spoken to like that. Now, I'm sure she explained to you that we're calling you because we're required by law to call you. And for this particular study, you are required by law to answer. And then she's tried to interrupt, and I just kept talking. Mm-hmm. Now, so, so the point of this is we are going to call you back. And when we do... I would ask that you keep a civil tongue in your head. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a day to sort yourself out. We'll yeah. be back. <laughs> you just anyway. That's when you're like, we, we yeah, are a little. Yeah. We are a little off topic. That's here. all right. That's all right. So, what'd you play this week? Um, I played. I played classic. Played David classics all week. Hey. Like I tried. I tried Fate Extella last week, and fuck, I should not have paid fifty bucks for that. Oops. Okay. But you know, I, I saw a physical copy in EB, and you know, like how often do you see a new physical Vita game? I'm gonna never gonna grab it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the new Atelier game is coming, but it's not physical. It's gonna be the first non-physical release of an Atelier game on Vita. I'm super, hmm. yeah, I'm sad about yeah. that. Anyway. So, you know, it was there. It was a physical cart when I went to pick up uh, Gravity Rush, so I grabbed it because the graphics look good. Uh, reviews were quite positive. I'll check it out. No, it's just a fucking Musou game. Oh. It's another fucking Musou game with the worst story presentation I've oh. ever seen. Like, it, it begins with probably 10 or 15 minutes of just, like, text with, you know, character portraits. And this character, Saber, that I've seen for years because I look at uh, uh, figures blogs. Mm-hmm. She's very popular as a, as a figure. <laughs> you know, Saber in a wedding dress, Saber in armor, Saber in a swimsuit. Okay. And literally, like, a third of this intro section is just talking about how good-looking this character is and how amazingly, Ugh. magically awesome she is. And, <laughs> and I'm like, you're not really selling me on this character yeah. being cool at all, like, at all. So I finally get to play it, and it was um, paper just, thin. Just mashy? Just... It, was, it was mashy. It looked really nice. Um, in, in a Musou game, there's a, the map is a very large thing. 
Mm-hmm. And there's different sections. There's like a gate here. There's a castle there. There's a courtyard here. And in most Musou games, you travel uh, you travel through them seamlessly. It's basically like a, a small open world. Mm-hmm. And every time you go into a new room, there's a no, another hundred enemies in there to kill. In this, each of those large rooms are separated by like a portal or something. Mm-hmm. And so you get to the edge of the room and it's like empty space. And the space is all like glittering technology because you're inside a computer or something. And then you leap off the edge of it and just go flying through space and then wham, you land on the next thing. It's really cool. That looks really cool. That's the best thing I can say about Fate Extel. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. In general, do you like Musou games? Like, no. Did you play, did you, so you didn't play Dragon Quest Heroes? No. Okay. No. Because I don't it, normally it sure like them cool. either, but I played that one and that one was actually not bad. Well, to me, and and I keep on coming at these from the Senran Kagura kind of perspective. Yeah. Where in its in it's not it's certainly not all the way there, but there's a bit of Muso in Senran Kagura. But that's closer to Brawler, though. You have more. It really. That's is. closer to Bayonetta than Dynasty Warriors. Uh, I would say. You're right. Yeah. No, you're right. And it's certainly not anywhere near as deep as Bayonetta, but it's certainly infinitely deeper than Dynasty Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. And and I keep on I keep on dipping my toe in the Muso pond and just pulling it out and going ooh. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll play Dragon Quest Heroes 2, but I, I've never gotten more than 10-15 minutes into like a Samurai Warriors or Dynasty Warriors game, just because... And- and that's been the case for me since, like, the PS2. Yeah. I remember going over to um, one of my girlfriends when I was not, well, she was my girl, my only girlfriend at the time, obviously. Going over to my <laughs> girlfriend's place, and her younger brother was super into one of the first Samurai Warriors games to get localized. He loved it. And I remember picking it up and spending five minutes with it and being just, no. Yeah. No. This is all there is. Yes, there's lots of dudes on the screen, but yeah, I'm mashing one button doing combos, and yeah. Yeah. Shitty. So, so uh, what have you played? Uh, well, all I've really been playing is is Mafia Three. Okay. And I hear it's awful. It's it's serve. It's what it's doing for me now is it's highlighting how good Watch Dogs Two actually was <laughs> because Watch Dogs Two took some some logical shortcuts for you know how a game how the game played, notably with letting you fast travel anywhere right from the very beginning. It wasn't so in love with itself that it forced you to drive everywhere, even if after you've been there a dozen times. Where in Mafia 3, you will pick up a mission, get in a slow-ass car from 1968, drive there, do whatever you need to do, drive back. You spend half of your time getting to where missions begin and end. Now, and, um, in oh. the trailers, I remember a gameplay trailer that really kind of suggested to me that you're driving these gorgeous old cars from the 70s, and you can pull, like, bullet shift, bullet shit, like, drifting chargers around corners and stuff. Eh, maybe. I mean, there, as I... Because right now I've got three underbosses working for me, and as I give them more territory, they begin to unlock abilities for me. Okay. But none of them have unlocked anything with the cars yet. So there's like you can get like better shocks and better engines and things like that. But right now, every car I pick up is just like stock car, hmm. like station wagon, rear wheel drive. Have fun with that. So, so how, how does the better engine or better shock come into it? I, just any I, car you get into. Any, I think any car you engine. get into is better. Yeah, oh. which doesn't really make sense. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah. So I mean, again, the cutscenes are the highlight of things, but I'm just, I've, I, I feel like I'm in far enough now that I want to finish it. 
but I, I, I was gifted from an old friend a, oh, yeah. a digital copy of Resident Evil 7. Yeah. And what so platform? I downloaded it, and it's sitting there, and I'm like, oh, I want to play that instead. What platform? PS4. Oh, I've heard, I've heard real, actually good things. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that it, it, it's not going to blow your mind visually. But it's where the series needed to go. Yes. And it's, it's short. It's like 8 to 10 hours or something mm. like that, which is fine for a horror game. Horror games should not overstay their welcome. Not just fine for a horror game, but ideal for you personally. For, yes, because I, 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 like to, <laughs> I like to love them and leave them, leaving them being the operative term. Because after that, I've got, I mean, sitting here on my shelf of to be played, there's that, there's Dead Rising 4, and oh. there's Final Fantasy 15. So mm. it's like I have other stuff I want to play, but now I'm, I'm trying to push my way through Mafia 3. And, I mean... Okay, well, let, let me let me let me submit something to you. Mm. Would it be so bad to just not see how Mafia Three ends? Would that really burn you? What 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 is keeping you in Mafia Three? Uh, what's keeping me? Okay, what's keeping me now in Mafia Three is is the, the way it's presented is between a lot of missions you get these like documentary style cutscenes of interviews mm. with like a reverend or or like an investigator. Sometimes there are congressional hearings talking about what Lincoln Clay did. So you know that Lincoln Clay is going to kill Sal Marcano, but you also know that in the process, he's probably going to die. It's all going to go bad. And you kind of figured out that one of your underbosses is going to betray you, betray you. because that's what happens in I mafia think, games. I think the underboss that betrays you is based on your choices. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. That means it's going to be that stupid Irish guy who calls me a pansy all the time. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been helping it out at all. Cause right. There's three of them. There's Cassandra, who is a Haitian boss, okay. um, and she's actually pretty cool because she's just trying to defend the hollow, which is like the ghetto area. And then there's Vito, who is the stereotypical Italian mobster guy, but he's got some honor to him. Okay. He's Vito, you know? And then I forget the guy's name. He's this drunk Irishman who had me doing favors for the IRA. I'm like, really? I'm doing favors for the IRA? So I may be, he may be the one I don't give any territories to and just kind of see if he's the one who betrays me. He's going to blow up your shit. Probably. I'm going to start my car up and it's going to blow up right there. So the story is so good that you want to see where it goes. I do. I do. And I'm trying to figure out what what shortcuts I can take. Because the way you're kind of going up a tree or a dividing thing, like you had to get get rid of these two little lieutenants to get to the the capos. Now I have the capos, I can go up one more level. And instead of doing all of their missions, maybe I'll just go right up Cassandra's tree Hmm. and do those and get right to... The, to Sal Marcano, the main bad guy, and see what happens there. Maybe I can kind of do a shortcut on it and finish it and not see everything. But Well, good luck. I know. It's a <laughs> sickness, I tell you. It's a sickness. It's not that it's bad. It's just that Watch Dogs 2 did new things with the open world genre. Or at least, if not new things, it, 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 it streamlined things in a way that made mm-hmm. the game more playable. Whereas Mafia 3 is like, no, this is stereotypic, open world, drive everywhere, do all the stuff, collect all the things, and then maybe you can get to the next area. On so. the one hand, you you got to admire a game that's confident enough that you will enjoy yourself doing this, sir. <laughs> but on the other hand, <laughs> see, sometimes that's the, that's the wrong call to make. That, that worked in Red Dead Redemption. In Red mm-hmm. Dead Redemption, simply getting from point A to point B was always fun. Follow. Follow, too. Because mm-hmm. either things would happen, or or the scenery was great, or, yeah. I mean, it was part of the romance of it. In, 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 
in Red Dead where you'd get in your horse and you'd ride somewhere and it just felt like part of the experience. Whereas this one, I'm fucking delivering, I'm doing errands. <laughs> Literally, it's like I feel like a paper boy except I'm delivering marijuana. I mean, which maybe they do in some parts of the States, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I mean... I will continue to play it, and we'll see how far I get for before the temptation of Resident Evil Seven gets to be too much. I um I don't know when I stopped playing Dragon's Crown. Did you ever really? Yeah, no, I absolutely <laughs> did. Like uh, I think it, I think Don't Starve was the year after Dragon's Crown. I want to say I want to say Don't Starve was 2014 when it came on Vita. And uh, so it's been a long time since mm. I went back to Dragon's Crown, and I'm starting it just fresh, a brand new level zero, um, level zero Amazon. Okay. And I have none of the skills that make the Amazon just super fun to play, but mm. going back to it and just re, it's like. Um, I don't know. It's like watching a movie that you haven't, a movie that you love that you haven't seen in so long that you forget some of the best parts. Okay. And you go back into it again and just fall in love with it again. Like I'm kind of amazed by how much I'm loving just seeing this environment again or this enemy again or hearing this music again. It's, uh, it's, it's really nice to go back to a game after such a long time and go, I was right about this. (laughs) This is spectacular. Now, was the Amazon a character you had played previously? Yeah, she was my main. Okay. She was my main. I never, I never got a. I got most of them up past like forty into the fifties, where I'd pretty much like maxed out their skill trees. Okay. But, uh, but my Amazon ended up like level two hundred or something. <laughs> and uh, and I know I have an elf that's like one hundred and twenty or up there somewhere. Yeah, elf but, is who I played. She was yeah. really good. Oh, they're all good. They're all yeah. really good. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm really enjoying that when I'm on my uh, breaks at work or I'm at home and I'm on the couch or something. I still think Gravity Rush 2 is um, amazing. Like, I, I love everything about that game. I think I did a pretty good post the other day on the blog about mm-hmm. it. I mean, it, it, the post starts off very negative. I'm sorry for that, folks. But <laughs> but um, that's, that's just my mental state. It's maybe. just where life is right now. <laughs> yes, but, but I do get into why Gravity Rush is amazing. And I've said a lot on the podcast, I think, that if you have uh, mechanics in your game that make movement fun, you've pretty much got me. Yeah. And it so does. It so does. Like, I'm taking videos, and in my head, I'm really hoping that I can put together a clip show of incredible movement in Gravity Rush. I don't think I ever will. I don't think I have the patience for it, because mm. I'm already sitting on, like, 30 gigs of Overwatch clips. <laughs> that I get. Because I, after this past weekend, when they took off the online servers, I was so pissed off, they took off the online servers for Gravity Rush, and after the weekend, I went back to Overwatch, and I really sucked at Overwatch because I've been playing Gravity Rush. Yeah. But over the past couple of days, I've tried to put, like, you know, an hour, a night into it. Just take a little me time, play some mm. Overwatch. And I've gotten back to the point where I'm getting, like, three, four gold medals every match on Tracer. Feel better. It feels better. Yeah. I feel a hell of a lot better. I'm getting my groove back. And... uh and I'm getting I'm getting the plays of the games that I want because that's really my objective. I'm not playing to to gain rank or anything. I'm not trying to get skill points. If we if we win, well, that's nice. If we lose, well, we were going to anyway. Yeah. And but <laughs> if I do something that I think might get play the game, that's that's my objective is just to get that real so that right now I have her line or tracers lion dance highlight intro. Tracer's just-in-time highlight intro, Tracer's mm. backflip highlight intro, all I'm missing is the one where she laughs. And I've got them all in the new skin. And I got the, I got the, 
the last one last night, and it was a beautiful one. It was a beautiful one. We were defending Hanamura. And when sometimes uh, when the, the comp gets picked, like, you know, you pick your character, the other people on your team pick their characters. Sometimes that happens and you look at the comp and you're like, well, we're going to lose because <laughs> we had no tank <clears throat> and we had no healer. We had a yeah. Symmetra, and I love Symmetra, especially when I'm Tracer. Mm. Um, so she gets us back to the point, uh, point A quickly, because you, your spawn is a long ways back. Mm. And when you're on point B, she can put down a shield generator that will increase my hit points by 75. And when you're on a tiny little Tracer with the smallest health pool in the game, that's a big deal. It helps, yes. Yes. So um, so this other team, like, they had they had healers, they had a diva, they had a tag. <laughs> like, they were doing everything right. <laughs> And once they pushed us back to point B, there was nothing they could do. They could not stop us wow. because we just had so much damage that every time they came in, we just kicked the shit out of them. And play the game was me coming up behind them as they begin to push. They're coming in on uh, the coming in for people who play Overwatch. They're coming in on the top on Hanamura B. And I'm just walking like literally one foot behind their Widowmaker as she walks to join the group. And as soon as she joins the group, I just toss my pulse bomb in there. <laughs> Back up, boom, the pulse bomb goes off, takes three, Lucio gets away with half his health bar sheared off, I immediately take him down, turn around, do my laugh emote. <laughs> oh, and, and they then, all and, shake their fists at that stupid tracer. Yes, and then and then at the end of the game it goes, you know, victory, and then I'm sitting there and I cross both my fingers and I wait, and tracer appears on the wheels. It feels so good. And because I'm doing the clip shows, really, that's my objective. Yes. To get that Trying to find highlights for the clip shows. Yes. Um, and, uh, and I was thinking about why the fuck do I like doing these clip shows the other day? I felt so disheartened after doing the, uh, the Son of a Gun clip show. Mm. It's not my best, but I got like nothing. And it never, and I've never had one just get nothing. Like no one says shit. Like I put this thing out there. And people on the Penny Arcade forums just don't say a word. I think, I don't know, I think I must have offended people at Penny Arcade or something. And it's, it's not hard. I guess. They're and, a, it's, 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 a, it's a weird group out there. <laughs> but I've always loved music. I'm not a musical person at all, but I love the blues and I love certain tech songs and I love certain rap songs. And I, I really, really love music. And I've always been kind of creative or wanted to produce something i think that's why i wrote mm -hmm. i you know create stories and stuff and then i create the blog and so this is a way that i can combine kind of everything that i love in a new uh discipline that i'm learning as i go and i think they're getting better as they go along just like little cuts like the uh the one the one about the widowmaker where at the very end I sit down, the perspective switches to the Widowmaker, she shoots me, the perspective switches back to me as I die. Just little edits like that. Okay. I, I'm, I'm having fun with it. I'm, you, it's, yeah. you may at some point need to get your hands on some actual video editing software. I, I would really like some for that works on a PC, but the thing is I would need something super easy that I could understand that, um, yeah. And a like, decent PC to do it. Well, I, I, the thing is, the only thing I have, the most powerful computer in my house right now is my laptop. Yeah. And if it can't work on that, and I can't work on it when I'm spending time with my mom, because I'm like the only person she ever sees, and that's really important to me. Yeah. If I can't sit with, with her and work on it, then I'm not going to do go. it. I'm going to do yeah. it like at the weekend at one in the morning when she's asleep. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like I really love it. So I'm building up this clip somewhere, and I've got some awesome fucking plays for the game. I've got some amazing matches. I've got a match where I repeatedly killed the enemy Hanzo, who can't just one-shot me with a headshot. He can just kill me. 
I repeatedly killed him, and every time I did, I finished it with a melee. Boom. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it was so good. That's like teabagging. That's it is, awful. A bit. But I would never teabag. I would never teabag. I'll okay. emote. I will emote, and I will do a voice line sometimes, but I would never teabag someone. I think that's a dick move. I know there's people who think it's hilarious. I feel like they're wrong. See, teabagging is it's interesting because they, that all started in Halo, but it kind of has, has migrated into everything. Um, yeah, a lot of fighting games, specifically competitive killer instinct. It happens a lot to yeah, the point where, yes, at one of the last tournaments, they banned it, saying if you did it, you're out. I'm like, really? We have to yeah. go that far? And I'm kind it's, of... it's an actual mind game. I mean, the guy, the guy who won Capcom Cup, Knuckle Do, he mm-hmm. does it. Hmm. He does it after a hard knockdown. He'll he'll and this is who do it on top. He'll do just like a really quick couple up and downs yeah. on there. And it's it's just because part of Knuckledew's game is to piss you off, and it's legit. It is a legitimate strategy. It's not like he's standing up yelling names at you. He's doing something mm-hmm. in the game. So I don't agree with that. What banning. was the rationale? Did you read the rationale for it? They're, I mean, the rationale is they're trying to be esports. They're trying to make it more presentable. But what they don't understand is that little bit of gamesmanship is presentable. It makes it interesting. Well, wasn't there a thing in football where they wanted to stop, like, the end zone celebrations or something? They did, for the most part. They fine you if you do it. Yeah, so... But, I mean, that's uh, because they're getting there, a little... I yeah, I suppose there's precedent, but it's... I don't, I don't want these things so sanitized. These are people, and they are competing. I want to understand... Or I, want, I, I mean, I want to see that competitive nature, that feeling of competitiveness, and if that means True. you're kind of being a douchebag... That's fine. But there don't are we limits look to our heroes for the best in us. Uh, some of them, yeah, but you also want to see heels. Uh, the Korean or one of the Korean Overwatch uh, esports teams, um, they got in huge. I didn't read the whole article, but they got in huge trouble basically because they were, uh, you know, there are female Overwatch fans in Korea, and mm-hmm. some of them are interested in spending a night with a pro player and they mm. took advantage of this they you know, said oh you want to spend the night with me sure like i i don't think i would turn that down if given the opportunity mm. and in my current situation and uh, <laughs> and uh and yeah but in korea this is a thing it's like if you're in a girl band in their japan you can't have a boyfriend or if you have a boyfriend no one better ever find out because mm. as soon as it comes out that you've kissed a boy you're out of the group you're done your career's over Wow. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I imagine that's the same thing with these these gentlemen. Uh, but yeah, same thing. Like they expect the absolute best. You have to represent yourself, your country, um, as perfection. See, there's a difference between gamesmanship and just racist comments. Because League of Legends has had entire teams kicked off the tour for just being racist dickheads. Well, that's that I, that's fine. Yeah. I have no problem with that. But a little bit of ribbing after something, a little bit of. I mean, okay, maybe maybe that is because my formative gaming years were spent in our in an arcade, and mm-hmm. in the arcade, when you're standing next to someone, oh, you gave people back. shit, yes, yeah. all the time, because it's your quarter right there. You spent money on this, and any advantage you could take aside from hitting somebody physically, you took. It's just how it worked. So I don't mind seeing that. I mean, it does go back to like the faces and heels idea from wrestling basically there are fighting game community faces and there are fighting game community heels like justin wong is kind of a face Mm. and and chris g is a heel just just because of how they portray themselves you need a villain is what you're saying yeah you do you do need a villain because you need someone who you will feel good when they lose (laughs) 
And that's why, like, wrestling works. I just watched Royal Rumble on Sunday. I, I'm, I'm a closet wrestling fan. I watch, like, two pay-per-views a year. And you need to have an effective, believable heel. And if, I mean, the same is true for sports. I'm going to watch the Super Bowl on Sunday because I really hope the Patriots lose. Because fuck the Patriots. I don't care about the Falcons at all. I just want to see the Patriots lose. There needs to be a heel. So you can't sanitize this that much. Let people play. Well, here's the thing. I agree with you that the teabagging in this match is a, uh, a a psychological strategy. Yes. And that is totally valid in the same way that even like me on Tracer, with my body language, I can intimidate the enemy team once they've learned a healthy fear of me. Yeah. <laughs> like, once I've killed a bunch of them, I can kind of get them to do what I want them to do just by looking at them. Mm-hmm. And... And so I agree that that's legitimate. At the same time, I, I kind of have to agree with the thinking that any sort of behavior that could be construed as abusive um, is undesirable. And the point and purpose of you know, a fighting game match, an Overwatch match, or this match, or that match, is to prove that you are more skilled than the other person. Um, and I think, I think this whole thing is a gray area a little bit. See, part of skill is being able to either ignore or, or take advantage of what the other person is trying to throw at you, whether it be in the game or whether it be person to person. So I agree. I mean, I, I can see, having been to a couple of, of uh, majors, going to fight uh, um, UFGT and, um, and then whatever they call it now, I, I, I would spend more time watching than I would playing. Mm-hmm. And, and different games had different levels of talk and the one that had the most talk always i'm gonna say smash no marvel Uh marvel versus capcom 3 so much talk Hmm. and and to the the point they'd be able to with how fast that game oh no it's amazing and see the thing is it comes from the players and it comes from the people behind the players it just becomes this whole like half the game is on the screen half the game is in the people behind there and it never gets violent it's just it's just there's talk in that game, hmm. which from a, for a, from an observer's point of view, I like it. If I was actually playing that game, I can't deal with it. It would throw me off. I mean, people start talking smack to me, I, I crumble because I'm the skinny white dude in the corner who's too old to be there. So <laughs> <laughs> I crumble if you start talking smack. But It pisses nah. me off. It doesn't. Um, I know what happens a lot in Overwatch on PC. Uh, I think it's a lot more prevalent on PC because on PC you can like type to uh, oh type to yeah smack emote up. yeah yeah or no type to type to just say uh, this whole oh, okay. our team is a dick or this okay. you know this enemy mercy is absolutely useless or whatever on PS4 uh, not everyone has a headset and usually literally ninety nine times out of a hundred whoever has a headset is not a dick. Hmm. The only times, there's only two times when I kind of had to, There's no, there's three times when I had to shut someone up on Overwatch. The first one was a little 12-year-old or sounding like a guy. Oh, that's the worst. Who, no, he, he, was, he wasn't saying anything awful. He was just complaining about these guys in the last game that told him he wasn't any good. <laughs> and we're waiting for the match to start, and he's going on and on about these guys in the last game. And, I, and so I just kind of turn on my mic, and I say, you know, dude, I'm, that's... I can't say I find that very interesting, but I will say that I also don't find it very tactically important at the moment. Uh, if you see something like, you know, the Mercy is over here or this person is diving on us, please let us know. 
but I don't think I need to know that. <laughs> and then, and then like three other people came on their mics and they said, yeah, man, like just be quiet, please. What are you doing? <laughs> and then the kid, Zip it. <laughs> and then the kid just didn't shut up. So I muted him. Yep. The other one was I went into a quick play game and everyone was a McCree. Oh God. And this was back before hero stacking was removed. And mm. I'm like, okay, I'm going McCree. So I go in McCree. <laughs> and as soon as I get in, I hear this guy just complaining about everyone else on his team and about how this guy should have done this. And this guy should have done that. And you should have been able to do this. And I'm like, you're all the same character. You could all have done that. You could have done that. I didn't say this, but as I'm walking, I'm hearing this guy bitching, and I stop, and I go into the menus to mute this guy. And then he gets on the heads, and he's like, and this guy's just standing here AFK. What are you doing, Chance Splinter? I go, oh, man, I'm really sorry. There's just this asshole on the mic spewing toxic shit, and I have to mute him. Give me one second. There we go. All right, let's have some fun playing Overwatch, everyone. (laughs) And so you last... find out that everybody else had to mute him too. <laughs> yes. And the last time was, it was a hard fought match. I think both teams fought really, really hard. We lost. And just before the lobby closed, some asshole got on his mic and told us that we should all kill ourselves. <sighs> and those are the three negative experiences I've yeah. had talking to Overwatch. And I've played a lot of Overwatch. That's a lot of Overwatch. That's a lot of Overwatch. So those three, but man, that last one bugged me. <laughs> Like it affects me. I'm very sensitive. It, it is. It's. It's the. It's. It's John Gabriel's greater internet fuckwad, fuckwad theory. theory. Yes. Yeah. It is so true. <laughs> so. Um, so you are going to finish uh, Mafia. I'm. I. I have not given up on it yet. Now, I don't once... know if I'll get around to play it tonight, but I'll. 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 I'll definitely work on it through the weekend anyway. Once you do, is it going to be Resi Seven? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm stoked because I'm re- I am I'm really stoked to hear about it. Yeah, yeah, and I I couldn't believe I got a free copy. He's like, "You want a free copy of Resident Evil? I can't play first person games. It makes me nauseous." I'm like, "Oh, oh well, yeah." So I'm really curious about this person. Do they work in the industry? They must work in the industry. Uh, they run a store. Oh, cool. Okay. They're they're one of the they're one of the old pre buyout guys. They were an actual EB Games guy before mm-hmm. GameStop bought EB Games. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was. I was. Oh, I, I was. I was Electronics Boutique. Then I was yeah. EB Games, and then GameStop bought them. So GameStop guys... owns yours too. They just haven't changed the name. No, I know. So you guys get codes just so like, like your associates can say, "Oh yeah, this is really good." They do. Yeah. It, know, okay. it, it used to be when I was there, we would go to conference once a year, mm-hmm. and they would just pile games on us. And then they would come throughout the year too, physical copies. Now they just get a code in the email mm. to download Efficient. something. Yeah. yeah. And it, Lower it's, your overhead. Exactly. And it's the, the point is, and it's a legitimate point, is that you want either the managers or the associates to be knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this guy, nobody wanted it. He, he offered it to someone else. He didn't want it, so I was next to the list. He's like, here, Resident Evil 7. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. doesn't want to play Resident Evil 7. Except for, you know, you got he, He's not really, that this this, he, this guy's a sports guy gamer. He plays sports no. games. That's just what that, he likes. That's like, what? That's what he likes. <laughs> That's what he enjoys. Well, okay. So. Yeah, okay. And, the, and, the, and, the, and the other guy he, he offered it to honestly does get sick with first-person games. He cannot oh. handle it. He gets motion sick immediately. That is so weird. So he plays no shooters. He plays no first-person anything. It's all third-person games and RPGs. Wow. So I'm like, I, I, play, I play everything, so mm. I'll take it. Except Which, for Madden. Except for Madden, yeah. I'm the, I'm the opposite of the guy who runs the store. So. Yeah. So does that mean it's time for headlines? I think so. Okay. 
in Overwatch news. <laughs> I love that this is a feature. Uh, a patch for PC uh, has gone live for the PC version of Overwatch that addresses May's egregious shelf butt. Uh, in the new skin that she's got, and the skin for the, the, the Lunar New Year is gorgeous mm. for May. But... Uh, they did this thing where her back kind of goes perfectly straight down to where the tank on her back is, and then her butt like sticks out at a at a horizontal angle. Ah! So like you could serve tea on this butt, <laughs> and it's a bu- it was a bug. Like it was you know yeah. they did not intend to do that, so they fixed it on PC. Tragically, on consoles, you can still serve tea on May's butt, <laughs> but hopefully it will be addressed eventually. Uh, now, a lot of people say it's a good thing. Um, I'm prepared to listen to them and give them the benefit of the doubt, because, you know, I'm one of these people who thought Sombra was overpowered before we saw Sombra do what mm-hmm. Sombra does. Um, so maybe this is not bad, but apparently they're going to buff Bastion. Hmm. And now you've played it. You've played some Bastion? Uh, I was killed by Bastion a lot. I didn't play some Bastion, but yeah. Did, did, did you ever get the sense that Bastion didn't have appropriate killing power or survivability? Not at all, though. No. He he seemed to do damage when he was in that in sentry mode, and he seemed to have a decent health pool that I had couldn't just kill him right away. So that's true. He has uh, he has more than he has almost three times Tracer's health pool. Mm-hmm. He has double the health pool of any DPS in the game. Uh, except for Reaper, I suppose, who has 250. But plans are in the works to buff Bastion. So, what they, uh, what Jeff, uh, I forget, it wasn't Jeff Kaplan, it was someone else. Anyway, what one of the devs on the Blizzard forum said <clears throat> is that they're they are going to lower the spread and increase the magazine size on his gun when he's walking around in recon mode. Whoa. I really don't like this at all because a Bastion who can headshot is already incredibly scary. Mm. Um... I have been wrecked by really good bastions who can headshot when in recon mode, and there's like almost nothing you can do about it because his health pool is huge, and his gun is the equivalent of 76s, and <laughs> 76 is like a nightmare anyway. Yeah. In sentry mode, uh, quote, we're looking at focusing this mode into more of a tank buster and barrier buster while also making it feel less suicidal to be transformed. To that end, we're testing stuff like increased speed and remove, or in- increased spread and removing headshots, but taking less damage while transformed. Now, for me, this is kind of terrified because on Tracer, it doesn't take a bastion more than a half a second of body shots to kill me. Yeah. If, uh, like, unless this, the increased spread is huge. Um, and he does like less to non-tank characters, which would be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He's gonna wreck me either way. Like he's still <laughs> gonna wreck me just as bad. And if he has any sort of increased survivability in this mode, like more armor or something, I won't be able to just go in and pulse bomb him. And if I want to burn my ult to kill this one character who's destroying my team, I feel like that's a trade I should be allowed to make. Um, but. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I feel like this whole thing is like they're talking about him using self repair while moving, and uh, you can't interrupt it by damaging him. But now it's on um, a resource like Diva's Defense Matrix is kind of on like a, a, man- a bar that you have to manage now. Okay. Now, so I hate all of this. I really don't like it. Uh, some people think it's really, really good. If, um, but I'm not really. Is not Bastion underused right now? Is he not? Do you um, not see a lot of Bastion? <clears throat> okay, if we're talking about pro meta, yes, he okay. is. Like for for the pros, you don't see Bastion very much. A Bastion will absolutely wreck a team at the lower levels of play. At my level of play, either I or someone else on my team usually knows what to do to take out a Bastion. Um, 
I can usually solo a Bastion on Tracer. I kind of feel like I counter him for the most part. But he's still incredibly dangerous to me and hmm. my entire team. Um, at higher level play, you'll see him in Korea, of all places. Really? Korea will pull out Bastion. And they are, like, you know, amazing. Um, and sometimes <laughs> sometimes you'll see North American pros doing it. But normally it's just kind of like, let's have fun, see what we can do with this. And when a pro uses a Bastion, it's incredibly dangerous. Um, so in terms of tournament play... Korean teams will pull them out sometimes. Interesting. And when they do, it's it's hilarious and ridiculous. Like, they will do stupid shit. Like, you might remember in a map called Volskaya, mm -hmm. there are these platforms that float through or float around point B. Okay. And a, uh, a kind of cheese strat is to let one of those platforms float out of point B to where you're attacking, your attackers are coming from. You, the attacker, gets on the platform, turns into a turret, and just lets the platform bring you in. And then you come around a corner and you just start laying fire. Oh, jeez. And because, you know, this team didn't have a Bastion five minutes ago, no one's expecting it. And then you just wipe the enemy team. And this has won matches for Korean oh. teams. Just doing the Bastion Chi Stratovals Gaia. So, yeah, like, pro teams will do it. But I feel like there's a lot of other... Or there are at least other characters that are just as ignored in the meta as Bastion is. Um, I feel like Junkrat, certainly. Like, mm -hmm. I sure as fuck don't want to see Junkrat buffed. But uh, <laughs> but Junkrat is, is all... Like, I've never seen a Junkrat in tournament play, ever. And Mercy has almost completely disappeared from tournaments. Thanks to Anna. See, what's interesting with, with Overwatch is how often they put these patches out because there seems to be, again, coming from, from my point of view, there are two different um, methods for patching a game. Um, Street Fighter tends to patch like once or twice a year, and that's it. Mm. So you give the meta time to kind of settle, mm. give people time to figure it out, which I prefer that method because I don't want to be dealing with constant changes. Listen to me yeah. talk like I'm not retired. Um, the other side of it is Netherrealm, patches a lot often and usually too quickly so they like mortal kombat far. 9 mortal kombat 10 got patched way too often and way too reactionary to what people were complaining about so it's got to be a middle ground and it seems like blizzard patches this an awful lot no i agree i think i think it is too much and i think they move too fast on it uh when they initially uh i think they buffed McCree. no no they nerfed mccree right after launch but uh, when, you know, Diva's buff occurred, she was way too powerful. She was mm. just way, way, way too powerful. My brother certainly doesn't think so, <laughs> but he means Diva. Um, but uh, Diva was absolutely ridiculous. Right now, I think actually the biggest problem is Roadhog. I think uh, mm. Hook 2.0 has just made his hook way too reliable so that when he hooks you, you're dead. Yeah, that's it. You're done. Yep. Now, the problem with that is, do you remember how Symmetra's alt fire is this big, large orb that slowly moves forward? Yeah. Okay. Roadhog's hook is about, the, the hitbox on Roadhog's hook is about that size, oh, but it travels as fast as a mercy shot or faster. Yep. Um, so if he throws it at uh, some enemies and they don't have a shield up, one of them is about to die, and he mm. can do this every six seconds. So he can pull someone from a range that no one would be able to hurt him usually, peek around a corner, throw a hook, kill a guy, wait for six seconds. And if the hook misses or anything, he can just heal himself. Like, he's, I, I feel like, I feel like Roadhog, uh, they, they have fixed the hook. I feel like either the hitbox on the hook needs to be reduced, or the, uh, the cooldown needs to be extended. Because, most characters with an ability that powerful, the cooldown is like 10, 11 seconds. Like mm. fucking um, Widowmaker's grappling hook. 
the only escape that character has is on a 12-second cooldown. Jeez. Yes, and this hook is on a six-second cooldown. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm really hoping they get rid of that. Now, that being said, uh, I find no greater pleasure than beating the holy shit out of a Roadhog on Tracer. <laughs> but I have found since Hook 2.0 that when I get hooked, I'm dead. Unless that Roadhog is lagging. Oh, okay. Because yeah. then he can't start hitting you right away. Yeah, okay. I'm getting I'm getting hooked a lot more, and I'm uh, and maybe that's just because I was playing shitty earlier in the week. But anyway, we're taking too long on this. Mm. Um, Blizzard announced last week, actually, like the day we put up the last episode, Overwatch has exceeded 25 million players. Wow. A game of the year. That's okay. impressive. It is. Uh, MMORPG Asheron's Call shut down after something like 17 years. Yeah. Tears were shed, but not by Chamberlain. No, I, I, the only reason I mention that is I, I watched a, a video of a number of, of long... Yeah, well, the old guy, it was a follow-up on him with a couple other players, too. And, and I mean, very heartfelt, love. just kind of platitudes and love about this game. And I'm, mm. I'm sitting here going, as someone who never, ever, ever invested any time in an MMO, I don't understand it. And again, uh, as was explained in, I think, last week's episode, yeah, one, among, right. among my bitches, that I don't really play with other people anyway. So I wanted to ask you, as someone who put a significant amount of time in World of Warcraft, do you understand 100% this? I do. 100% I do. Imagine... Okay. <clears throat> now, I've never been to war. Mm. But my understanding is that once you're in that situation... You're not fighting for democracy or freedom or to, you know, put a boot to Hitler. Once you're in the trench, mm -hmm. you're fighting to save your own life and the life of the guy beside you. Mm -hmm. And in, uh, and I know this sounds like I'm taking the things a bit too seriously here, but, <laughs> but in an MMO, what it really becomes about very quickly is not what you're doing. I mean, that is what you're doing. Those are the motions you're going through is leveling up your character and going on adventures. But what you're actually doing is uh, creating relationships with the people you meet. And the entire game becomes about these people and these relationships that you have and about not letting them down or impressing them or helping them or saving mm -hmm. them. One of my clearest memories of World of Warcraft wasn't even on my main server. Like, I have a lot of good stories from my main server. <laughs> it was Nathrazine, for the record. And I decided to just, you know, make some alts on um, on what was called an RPG or role-playing server. Okay. So there was player versus player combat, but there was a greater emphasis on pretending to be a giant cow person who was also a shaman. So I created a shaman, and I had already put, like, literally years of my life into Warcraft. I knew fucking everything. So what I remember is there was this, like, level 12 rogue, uh, uh, like a, an undead rogue, and I was like a level 25 shaman, and she was calling for help to get her to, um, I forget the name of it, but there was a level 12 instance in an allied area. So like, we're Horde, and this instance was in an allied area. It's like a dungeon. Yeah. And... Um, she would never have been able to get there on her own. She just would have been killed again and again and again by the monsters that were between her and this place and by the allies who owned that entire area and did yeah. all their quests in that area. And I said, yeah, I'll help you. And so me and this rogue walked, we basically walked around the ocean Hmm. And we took a shortcut so that we didn't have to go all through all these dangerous places. Because I'm only level 25. I wouldn't be able to protect her from some of the allies that are out there. But by taking this route that she had no idea we could take, I walked her right up to the area, the zone that the dungeon was in. And when we got there, um, 
I remember us coming, coming, walking forward, and there were two level forty allies who oh. were there with some with some lower level characters. And uh, as soon as I see them, I, I I type stealth, and she goes stealth. I go get as far away from me as you can, and head north. <laughs> and uh, and so with my shaman, I just distracted these guys, broke away from them, met up with her again at the uh, at the dungeon, and together we went into the dungeon. And because I was twice the level of anything in this dungeon, she was exactly the level she needed to get XP from the dungeon. The two the two of us ran this dungeon like three times together. And she was so moved by the fact that I just spent my entire night just helping this stranger. Mm-hmm. Just have some fun, get this item that she wanted. Um, she invited me to the guild, and I said, you know, I'd really love to do that, but th- this is an alt account, and I really don't feel like I can um, give a, a guild the amount of commitment that I would want my guild members to On your alt character, yeah. Yeah, that I, that I would want to give a guild. But, you know, anytime I log in, if you want to say, hey, you know, I'll, I'll hang out. And I don't know why that one sticks with me, but it was just, I don't know, just a little act of kindness and someone saying, man, that was that was really cool of you. And that's what I remember. I remember interacting with other people. See, it occurs to me that I missed the point when I played Guild Wars the way I did. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> because I, the reason I chose Guild Wars is because I could solo it. That's right. Because I could hire NPCs to go with me. And I, I got my brother. My brother is World of Warcraft. He still is every once in a while. And I got him to play Guild Wars with me. And we're going back and forth, and I was like a healer, and he was a warrior, just kind of some some basic combination to get us two of us going. And he messaged me. He's like, you like this and not World of Warcraft? I'm like, yeah. He's like, this is empty. And I understand what he meant. But the emptiness. Was it empty in terms of characters? Or in terms it was of empty in terms of. It was empty in terms of characters because the way Guild Wars worked is a lot of it was instances. Oh, okay. Where you would get to an area and then you would disappear off on your own, mm-hmm. and so we would get we would we would get to these away from the cities, get to an instance, and then it would just it would be our instance. Mm-hmm. But you didn't have that interaction with strangers or random people. It was just okay. Here's our dungeon. Oh no, that was a, that's you know that's a huge part of World of Warcraft is just kind of going off into the world and seeing what you'll find. Um, and then interacting with, and you know, sometimes you interact with a horde and you, uh, and you become friends with them, um, for probably almost a year or the better part of a year when I was in World of Warcraft, I just didn't level up. All I did was I would go and I would gather thistle teas that, um, it's kind of like a rogue had to use a certain meter, a mm. energy meter to perform her special moves or my special moves. And a thistle tea would instantly fill that meter to full. Wow. So I would go and I would farm the ingredients for thistle teas and the ingredients I needed to create what are called goblin sapper charges. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I would go to this town in the Barrens called Crossroads and I would kill anything I could. And that includes any NPCs, like particularly quest givers, so that mm. people would come back to town that couldn't turn in their quest. <laughs> and any, any horde who landed that I thought I could kill. And I killed my first level 60 when I was level 40. I was so proud. Ooh. And I developed such a reputation that some of my best friends from World of Warcraft were people I'd killed on the Horde. Ah. That and yet, yet I ended up like making alt accounts and hanging out with them and dueling them all the time. It was great. It was all about the people. It's all about the people. Oh, it's it's okay. a giant chat room, and, the, and it's about the relationships you form and what happens when you wander off into this place and and meet someone and discover something. 
is, I mean, do you think that era of gaming is slowly fading? Because World of Warcraft is not what it used to be. These other ones come out and they're free to play-ish, like Star Wars, Star Trek Online, and and the Old Republic, and I don't know what else is actually no, viable think, right now. I think if if Warcraft is only failing, it's only because the market is flooded with really good games. I mean, I again, I don't play them all, but I there are literally half a dozen just on the PS4, and this console is only two years old, I think. True, yeah. I mean, there are plenty yeah. of MMOs you can play on there. DC That's Universe right. Online is DC there. Universe, you got uh, Final Fantasy, what was it? Uh, 13? 13, 13, no, yeah, 14. 14, 14, 14 yeah, 14. 14 online. There's all kinds of stuff. There's all yeah. kinds of MMOs. And if anything, I believe that there will always be troubled, lonely teenagers, youth, people, young adults, fully grown adults, you know, people pushing middle age who <laughs> would like to imagine that they can be heroic and valuable to someone else's success. Mm-hmm. And that's what an MMO gives you. It lets you feel in control. It lets you feel powerful. And it, all it asks is all of your time. <laughs> the last one of these that, that closed that I remember being any talk of was actually City of Heroes. When yeah. That one, when that yeah. one went down, there was a little bit of drama or sadness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. anyway, on with headlines. On with headlines. <clears throat> uh, indie roguelike stealth platformer The Swindle is getting a limited run games release on PS4 and Vita. Are you down? 100%. All right. Like, I'm, I'm kind of tempted by Curses, pardon me, Curses and Chaos, which was Tribute's last uh, single-screen brawler. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm still thinking about it. I'm really hoping I can still get a copy if I ever decide I want to go for it. Uh, but yeah. So today's biggest video game news easily is that a jury has awarded ZeniMax, which is Bethesda's parent company, $500 million. <laughs> that is a half a billion dollars in their suit against Oculus um, or Oculus and Facebook. Now, the suit was basically claiming that the Oculus Rift was made using intellectual property that was stolen from ZeniMax. Mm-hmm. Um, it was established that John Carmack did, in fact, take all kinds of data from Bethesda and uh, and then wiped all his hard drives. They even have evidence of him Googling how to wipe a hard drive, which is weird for John Carmack, right? No kidding. You'd think he'd know how to do that. <laughs> John Carmack. And, and then he uploaded that onto his computer Oculus. They have established that that did happen. But the jury did not find that the Rift was actually produced with anything that was stolen. Mm. Instead, Oculus is paying out $200 million for breaking a non-disclosure agreement, $500 million for copyright infringement, um... The company Oculus and founder Lucky Palmer each have to pay $50 million for what's called false designation. I don't know what the fuck that is. I don't know what that is either, yeah. And a guy who co-founded Oculus named Brendan Iribi, or however you pronounce that, has to pay $150 million for the same reason. Oculus plans to appeal. That is a half a billion dollars. Whatever Bethesda wants to make next is bankroll. Yep, yep. <laughs> like, holy shit. The the next uh, the next far or not next far cry the next Fallout. Elder Scrolls game yeah, yes. better be gorgeous and bug where's free. Where's our new Where's our new Elder Scrolls? Come on, you've got it's, the money for it now. It's going Bring to look it very on. Very good. Seriously, that is <laughs> that is an amazing year for any company. Let's just hope. I'm really hoping that they don't lose it on appeal because as if Facebook doesn't have enough fucking money. Exactly, Facebook can afford that. Yeah, drop in the bucket. Drop in the bucket. Um, the yearly fee for the Nintendo Switches Online uh, was revealed, I think, yesterday to be mm-hmm. between seventeen fifty and twenty six fifty a year. Yeah, that's actually not too bad. That is less than a third of the price of Xbox or PS4. That makes the monthly rental of your virtual console game a little more palatable. Not by much. Yeah. 
Because uh, when, you know, when I get, when, oh, actually, this, this comes to our next headline. Because when I get something from Sony, mm-hmm. from theirs, I get to keep, for example, in March or in February, Little Big Planet 3. That's a f- that's still sixty bucks, isn't it? Yeah, that's still full yeah. price game. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. And uh, and not a hero, um, which I'm I'm kind of glad I'm getting for free because I'm still pissed <laughs> off that uh, Devolver canceled the uh, Devolver. Yeah, Devolver canceled yeah. the uh, the Vita version. Bastards. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn has gone gold. Uh, did you watch any of the preview videos that went up? I no, didn't. I didn't. I've kind of gone blackout on that because I know yeah. I'm gonna love it. Yes, I'm kind of the same way. It's 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 like a it's like the next Souls game. Like you don't have to show me anything. <laughs> I'm going mm-hmm. to get it. It's going to be amazing. And I don't know why I feel that confident about this, but I sure do. Uh, also, we found out yesterday, Ashley, Ashley Birch is the lead. Ashley Birch is playing Aloy. I never, I never, I caught never caught that. that either. And 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 going after blog post, I didn't realize that she was the yep. the Zoe. character in was Zoe mm-hmm. in um, Life, Life is Strange, is strange. because. Yeah. She's playing it straight. I'm used to her voice in the YouTube videos. Being all chewy like this. Exactly. Or Tiny Tina. Or Tiny Tina, yeah. And to see her do stuff like this, it's like, I always knew you were special, Ashley Perry. It's good to see her get good work. I hope she continues to get it. Well, she she is, actually. She's a writer on Adventure Time last season. Oh, jeez. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, she's doing better than all of us. Okay, good. Way (laughs) to go, Ashley. (laughs) Uh, Our compatriot Alex can rest easy and plan his summer early for Final Fantasy XII The Zodiac Age launches July 11th in North America and Europe. It'll be out on the 13th in uh, Japan and Asia. Is that another basic RPG? Is it another Final Fantasy? It's Final Fantasy XII Remastered. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. It's just the remaster of XII. Final Fantasy That's 12 definitely is worth it because 12 was really good. Okay. Uh, Psychonauts, the Rhombus of Ruin, will launch on February 21st for PSVR. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. One Why are they cares. doing that to themselves? No yeah, like uh, twice a week I'll hear uh, there'll be a new thread on NeoGAF saying like, is it worth it to get into PSVR? I've never even clicked on it to see what people say. <laughs> but I have heard good things about uh, Resident Evil 7 in VR, but that's all I can really say about it. That, yeah, that and then the... Um... Oh, shoot. Was that other survival horror game? Not survival uh, horror game. I don't know. Oh, that was the, the the one with all the teenagers and... Oh, Until Dawn? Until Dawn. That was good. Had, well, Until Dawn had a VR. Not of that, but it was Until Dawn. Oh, yeah, something no, of you, a, yeah, Festival like of a, Blood or yeah, something like of blood. It was like a corridor shooter or something. Yeah, yeah. But that was supposed shooter. to be not, be a bad, not be bad either. Hmm. <clears throat> Yo, I think, man, I think horror is really... Uh, was made for VR. VR yes. was made for horror games. Yes, too. Uh, in a tweet this week, Microsoft's Phil Spencer says Phantom Dust, quote, should ship before E3. It's happening. With my luck, it'll come out right after I get, like, my Switch. Just to completely conflict me. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You'll have a new Phantom Dust. I will have a new Phantom and Dust. And you might, well, the Phantom thing Dust. is, if it comes out right when the Switch comes out, you better fucking play it now, because I bet you in six months no one else will be. That's true. Because Phantom Dust will hit, it'll hit hard, and it'll hit with people who like remembered it. But I don't know how many new people it's going to pull in, because it's not going to be that pretty of a game. Well, we don't know that. Well, they haven't I mean, even shown not, a screenshot. If it's just the old one remastered, I don't know. You can do it. I don't care. That. I'll play it. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's not 60 bucks. Did you watch that new Mass Effect trailer? I did. That did not suck. No. No, it didn't. That was the I best was piece surprised. of media that you have released so far for that Mass mm-hmm. Effect. Actually, maybe you want to play that Mass Effect. Finally. Yeah. It took them long enough to actually get, get us hooked. Like, okay, mm-hmm. by the way, this is still Mass Effect. Yeah. Like, and it actually, I don't know, looked a little badass, I guess. See, 
I, I love I love the black guy's hair. I love that he has an actual like afro going on. Yeah. Um what I'm worried about, not worried about, is that there's there's such a connection between Mass Effect one, two, and three where mm-hmm. it kinda of pulled your save over and I got the achievement in three where I took one save all the way through one, two, and three. <laughs> and there's a there's a disconnect happening now where I don't think that's happening because this is like three hundred years later or something like that, so it's not it has nothing to do with any of it. But it's it's not pulling anything in. I want I want something. I want it to pull, pull in a save and have like here's there's my Krogans, shepherd. There's Krogan. There's Krogans, yeah. There's but Krogan. I want I want my shepherd to be there like like a memorial to him or something. Oh yeah, and the girl with like the the half shaved head mm-hmm. apparently has the same last name as the elusive man. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, that is something. <laughs> something. Anyway. Uh, Square Enix has announced a multi-game partnership with Marvel, starting with the Avengers. Uh, the game will be developed by Crystal Dynamics of Tomb Raider fame, and in collaboration with Eidos Montreal of Deus Ex Infamy. Uh, more details will be announced in 2018. See, what I really want to see with this is not a standard Tomb Raider game. I want to see one of those isometric Adventures of Lara Croft games. With the Avengers. Oh, 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 oh. Multiplayer, like four-player multiplayer or eight-player multiplayer. Like the old X-Men side-scrolling game, like Konami did, but modern isometric. Well, there's there's so many... Okay, I can't see this being good unless it's something like that. Yeah. Because otherwise, if you want to make a triple-A action game like, like Crystal Dynamics have been doing lately... You couldn't do it so that all the characters actually feel really good. You have to pick one. You'd have to pick one, and then if your character can fly, you have to be open world. Like, if you're Iron Man, this has to be open mm-hmm. world. If it's, um, you know, the the character will dictate the genre. And if you take multiple characters and try to do it all AAA, what you're going to end up with, and I, know, I don't know why I'm going to this place with it, but what you're going to end up with is that Matrix game for PS2, Ooh. if that makes sense. Oh, I played that. Here's the thing. I kind of loved that. But <laughs> and I know there was a lot wrong with it, but I just loved kicking a guy across the floor and watching him slide fifty feet. Awesome. Um, but uh, but it sure there was sure a lot wrong with it. It sure yeah. did not feel tight and 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 like you really wanted a AAA game to feel. Um, it was a you know it was licensed cash in game. And what Crystal Dynamics has done lately is not are not bad games by any stretch of the imagination. Um, See, single Marvel character games can work. There was a Wolverine game that was pretty good. Deadpool was actually a good game. I I think Deadpool was pretty good. It goes against everything I've heard. Oh, Um, come on. I thought it was pretty good. It was a little repetitive in the action, but it wasn't too bad. The best two superhero games, if we're not going to count Injustice, which I think is fair. Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2, Incredible Hulk. Yep. That's that's the entire list. Oh, wait, no. Oh, God. Oh, God. What'd you forget? What'd you forget? Batman. Oh, duh, yeah. Batman Arkham, but again, that is one character. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how you're going to do this and make it work, but I sure hope it does, because that would be cool. Mm -hmm. And then we're probably going to get, like, the voice talent from the Warner Brothers cartoons or something, but whatever. That's still not bad. It's better than... It could be worse. You know, put Phil Lamar in something, I'm happy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Atelier Firus will launch in the West on PS4, Vita, and Steam on March 7th, digital only on, Mm. on Steam and Vita, of course. Uh, Nino Kuni 2 is coming to PC in addition to PS4. I, I'm hard. I, I remember I liked that game, but I don't remember much about it. Um, Studio Ghibli. Uh, yes, I mean that's what it looked like. But I'm trying. I don't remember any plot points of it. I don't remember. I remember like his mom dying and yeah. going into other things, but it's not. 
Well, I play it, of course, but I don't. That one did, yeah. it did not leave a huge mark on me like other. I, I remember have. the environments, and that's ama- That's what's amazing to me because there's not much I can point to in Nino Kuni Two that was bad. Mm-hmm. The combat wasn't bad. I didn't think it was great, but it wasn't bad. The presentation was lovely. Mm-hmm. The story, I I remember the story presentation being excellent. I remember welling up at some points in that story because it told it so well and it was so powerful about the what was going on with the kid's mom. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it didn't grab me and pull me along. I did not feel compelled to complete it, so I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I finished it, but I don't remember. I remember, like, the White Witch shows up as, like, an afterthought. Like, finally, here's the main bad guy, but there's only, like, three hours of the game left. Yeah. So it was a little weird that way. Uh, Zelda-like Oceanhorn is now, quote, fully playable on Vita. <laughs> what does that mean? Can you buy it? No, but uh, <laughs> that means that means that they've got it on the system and you can play it from the beginning of the game to the end of the game is usually what that means. Okay. There's uh, still a lot of bugs and quality assurance. To be mm, okay. Uh, Codemasters have announced Dirt 4. It's coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC wow. this June. That's quick. Five months. Yeah. That's really quick. No. I'm hoping that a lot of these like second tier racing games, like and what I mean by that are not Gran Turismo or Forza, mm-hmm. actually take advantage of the 4K ness of PS4 Pro. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm hoping that one actually runs. I mean, it won't run true 4K, but it'll be nice if it runs, you know, upgraded on the PS4 Pro. Because we're not getting the Scorpio by June. I know that. How do you know? Oh, there's no way. About, I mean, even if they show it at E3, it's going to be a fall release. Well, I mean, if, uh, come to think of it, Microsoft do like doing a thing where they walk out on stage on E3, say blah, 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 and it's available in stores starting tomorrow. Oh, God. They do like doing that. See, that would suck because I wouldn't have time to save up for it. Well. This, 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 this system's going to require planning. Well, whatever. The launch titles for the Scorpio are just going to be whatever you've got on your 360. That's true. So... Sorry, your, your Xbox One, pardon me. Oh, but well, plus all the 360 games I can play because my, that console actually has backwards compatibility. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I love the PS3 library so much. It pisses me off that I can't play fucking Okami on my PS4. You got to keep your PS3. I, I do. Hope I it doesn't it. die. I have it. I have it. I kind of want to go, like, go buy a second one just in case. <laughs> I'll send you mine. Wrong region code, but... Assuming they... No, we're, we're both NA. Oh, yeah, duh. Okay. I have, I have an old fat one. Launch PS3, baby. I've still I've still got a sixty gig. That's technically Ooh. backwards compatible with PS2. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, spectacular and definitive roguelike Don't Starve is getting a physical release on PS4 and Xbox One this spring. This includes the core game, Don't Starve Together, the Reign of Giants DLC, and the Shipwrecked expansion. Wow. Fuck yes. Clay is getting a physical release. That's happening. That's happening. Are they self publishing or are they putting that through somebody else? Actually, I don't know. Because uh, it, it's it's quite a commitment to go print up all these copies. But then again, if if they can gauge like the demand, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, judging by the box art, it's five oh five, and that publisher fucking sucks. <laughs> like most of the games they put out really suck. As long as they're just fronting the money to print the discs, you'll be okay. And that's all I care about. Like, yeah, and, yeah, and you know, I'll have a clay game on my. Fucking shelf! I'm just, I just <laughs> hyped. I'm just hyped to hold something in my hands. The clay made. Oh, I so love you once so the much. internet apocalypse hits, you can still play. That's Don't right. starve. That's right. <laughs> and finally, uh, 
Oh, I totally forgot I put this on here, but it's important to me. Little Witch Academia <laughs> episodes, Little Witch Academia episodes are now streaming on Netflix in Japan. Uh, we won't get localized versions in North America until apparently this July when we'll get the entire season at once. Uh, Little Witch Academia is the animation that a studio called Trigger did just to prove that they could do animation. Mm. And off the back of Ed's success and how good it was, they went on to make Kill the Kill which was a definitive anime for... Uh, it was insanely popular for two, three years. And hmm. they just did one season. So they do, like, huge over-the-top action. They do great characters. Um, they tend to do female characters really, really well. Uh, Kill a Kill was certainly rampantly sexual, but that was also part of the point that it was trying to make, but it was still rife with fan service. Like, making fun of fan service is fine, but you're still doing it. You're still doing fan service, yeah. yes. Yes, yes. Um, but it was also like comedy. Anyway, but Little Witch Academia has none of that problematic shit. Uh, it has, it has excellently realized characters. It doesn't do this like, uh, Archie Comics thing where all the, or Sailor Moon thing where all the characters <laughs> look identical except for their hair. Like you can tell each character in this show just by their silhouette. And their silhouette says so much about their character. Like, they're fantastic shows. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really hyped for that. And that is actually the last piece of news, is that I'm a big anime nerd. <laughs> we, we established that sometime last year, I think. Yes, I think There was an did. episode where you animate out, and I surrendered that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at my tiny shelf of anime over here going, yeah, I have stuff that no one should know. Really? Okay. Well, no, 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 no. Is, Remember, I, I, I actually own Ninja Scroll. Oh, which come on, Ninja Scroll not is a be, classic. It is, but it should not be in a house in which children might be able to actually accidentally pick it up. And okay, I, I agree, but once once your son or daughter is 15, yeah. I, I think you can hand them that disc and say, I'm going to introduce you to some crazy shit, son. What else do I have? Okay, I have Akira, because everybody has that. Yeah, absolutely. I have, have that. I have Armitage the Third and Armitage Polymatrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are okay. I think I had a crush on that character when I was a teenager or something. Well, so I bought me, that. I what else do I have over there? Not a whole lot. I've got I've got like one episode of of Magical Shopping Arcade of Benabashi. Hmm. Okay. Which I don't remember, even know why I have that. The one anime I started watching but didn't finish that I felt so bad about not finishing. It's gone from Netflix now, um, and anyone who watches anime will probably have already seen the whole thing. But it's called Princess Jellyfish. I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. It's fucking amazing. Hmm. Uh, it is about this small apartment building in downtown Tokyo that everyone who lives there is some sort of otaku, and they're all women. So there's this one super nerd who is obsessed with uh, the Three Kingdoms in China, the Three Kingdoms story. Hmm. Uh, there's one of them who's obsessed with trains. Uh, the main character is this kind. She dresses in like you know sweatpants and sweaters. <sighs> She has big, matty hair that doesn't look good. She's got big, thick glasses. And she is obsessed with jellyfish because her mother would take her to the aquarium before her mother died. And they're all completely antisocial with anyone except themselves. And if they talk to anyone who is remotely good-looking, they just turn to stone, literally. <laughs> and um, and the oh, Wait, main... I think you talked about this. They, yeah. Doesn't she rescue somebody? Well, she, or she uh, meets no, someone so, and yeah, it turns out to be a woman. Yes, well, someone rescues her. She, yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day after work, she stops by a pet a pet store to gaze longingly at this jellyfish in the window. And one day she walks up and she sees that the jellyfish is in there with a different type of creature who secretes something that is poisonous to the jellyfish. And she starts banging on the door to get the shopkeeper's attention to save this jellyfish's life. And the shopkeeper opens the door and will not pay any attention to her and basically just tells her to fuck off. And then this 
fabulous woman walks up, and she is fucking gorgeous. <laughs> and she walks up to the guy, and she commands him with all of her fabulousness to go in there and get that jellyfish and save its life and do what this nice young woman says. And if I ever have to come back here, blah, 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 you cannot con contain yourself in front of my power, sir. And then she hands the jellyfish to the young girl, and the girl is absolutely floored by what she's seen and in awe of this beautiful woman. And the woman walks her back to her apartment, and uh, she's just so exhausted by everything, she gets into her bed and just passes out. And when she wakes up, she looks down, and the woman is asleep on her floor. <laughs> and then um, as she wakes the woman up, the woman's wig falls off, and she realizes it's actually a beautiful young man who cross-dresses. Okay. That was the opposite. Okay. Yep. And that is the rule of her apartment building is that you can't ever have a man inside. And so it just, you know, this huge comedy of error ensues. But all the characters are amazing. Um, I really wish I'd finished it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got the Cowboy Bebop movie over there, too. Oh, that was good, too. Yeah, that was I good. love that fight sequence on the train. Yes. Oh, I was so good when, like, he backs up, does the does the shuffle with his feet, goes in for the step and sword, and just sends him flying mm -hmm. with that kick. Fuck, he was good. <laughs> oh, Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop is one of the classics. Samurai Shampoo is one of the classics. I prefer um, Shampoo to Bebop. There's not much over there, but I got a couple of them. I should, I should find Akira on Blu-ray, because I don't have that. Uh, it exists on Blu-ray, doesn't it? There's a good version on Blu-ray. There's, uh, there's a shitty version of Ghost in the Shell on Blu-ray called version 2.0. Never buy that. Oh, see, I want the original movie on Blu-ray. Yes, they have that too, but it just okay. came out a couple years ago. Okay, okay. Because there was, there was a version that took the major and made her CG anywhere they could. Ju I just looked terrible. It looked That's, fucking ugh. terrible. Yeah, it was awful. And anything by a director called Satoshi Khan. He's dead now, but he made probably the single best anime TV series of all time called Paranoia Agent, hmm. which is incredibly complex. I don't want to get into it, but it's brilliant. <laughs> um, he made Perfect Blue, which you've probably heard of. I've heard of Perfect Blue, yes. He made Perfect Blue. He made one called Paprika. It was amazing. He made Tokyo Godfathers. Uh, Satoshi Khan, I, I will put up a Satoshi Khan movie against anything Studio Ghibli's ever done. <laughs> Studio Ghibli is fucking Studio Ghibli and that's all I got <laughs> that's it alright I, I think we have exhausted our time I can't wait for you to play Resident Evil I will play Resident Evil I will I will give Best Ma Mafia 3 a couple more days but I, I will play Resident Evil because I, I need a horror I need a horror fix oh yeah and it, it looks it looks I mean the videos I've seen even, I, again I haven't watched much but it really looks a lot like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first one. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will give Alex a hard time next week, guaranteed. It'll be awesome. Chance, thanks for talking. My pleasure. We will see everyone in a week.